Thank you for listening and welcome to the Life Radio Show. A proud member of the SJ Network and Breaking the Fourth Wall Entertainment, I'm your host, Don Smith. This episode, actor Tim McLaughlin joins me to talk about both stage and theater acting, the differences between the two, and the pandemic effects on both. If you enjoy the show, like and follow The Life 1069 on Facebook and Don Smith Comedy on Twitter, or tune in live on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM, or you can stream the show live at WWSU1069.org. Overwhelms me. A brutal presence. This podcast is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner. All right. Hey, welcome to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host, Don Smith. We are Zooming along another night. I'm, I'm doing a, a, a nightly marathon of, uh, of uh, interviews right now. I don't know how I line that up. I guess it's my way of avoiding being on call at work because my work phone is muted because I don't care right now. For the next hour, I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> I zoomed in. Uh, actor Tim McLaughlin. How's it going, sir? Hey, Dan, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> All right. Did, did I pronounce McLaughlin right? Is that... Uh... Sure, why not? Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my, my Irish father call, says McLaughlin. My Italian mom says McLaughlin. So, okay, uh, okay. so that, can, that can go anyway. Okay, okay. As, as long as I get one of them. As long as I... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. We'll talk a little bit about your acting. It looks like you get, you had some stuff started back in the late nineties. Is that what is that when you began the the journey of acting, or was it before that that you decided to uh, jump into that? Uh, yeah, Don. Things pretty much started going in the uh, in the mid nineties. I graduated from college back in nineteen eighty nine and um, started doing. Uh, live stage shows at Universal Studios in Orlando. I was doing everything from the uh, Ghostbuster show to the gory, gruesome, and grotesque horror makeup show to Hercules and Xena. I mean, you name it, I was probably doing uh, performances on the stage there. And then in around 1996, uh, I got a uh, film uh, movie, which was uh, produced by Jonathan Crane, starred Ed Bagley Jr., Sally Kellerman, Time Daly, and uh, and from there it just it just started getting getting busier for me. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, so you started in live performance. I did. Yeah, stage theater. That was my degree at the University of Florida. Was in in theater production. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I was going to, I always like to ask if somebody starts in theater and transitions to film, I always like to find out which is their favorite medium. Well, it's a lot easier to transition from theater to film because in theater, you've got to be larger than life. Right. And it's a lot easier to sort of pull back and shrink back the the characters because when you're on stage, you have to project all the way to the back of the theater well, when you're in front of a camera, you just got to project right to the lens and it's a lot easier. You have to be more intimate uh, when it comes to television and film, whereas on the stage, you've got to be as 
big as possible, I mean, larger than life, so that everybody in the theater can see your expressions, can, can hear your voice, can see all of your movements. Right. It, when I, I started out in theater with zero training, so they kept telling me it had to be bigger. And then when I did transition the film, that's, that's the same thing. They said, you have to bring it in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bring it back. Bring it back. It's all, it's all internal, you know, yeah. that the camera picks up subtleties. The camera picks up internal feelings, so to speak. Um, when you're on stage, you have to get that emotion all the way out to the back row. So, right. Yeah, the yeah. F film can pick up a very subtle facial expression. Just like looking down can be something that tells a whole lot, which you know you're not going to notice on stage. Sure, sure. Are, are, are you uh, are you partial to film or partial to theater? You know, there's two. They're totally different animals in my in my personal opinion. I don't want. I want to say I'm I'm equally as excited. Okay. There's a little more anxiety. There's a little more anxiety with uh, live stage because it's it's a one take performance, and when you're on stage, you don't get multiple takes. Certainly, if you have a couple of weeks run, you have other opportunities to you know. But when the curtain goes up, it's it's one take the whole night. So you basically have to be on point. There's definitely a lot more focus involved, uh, in my opinion. And when uh, things go wrong on stage, <laughs> you gotta you gotta think quick on your feet, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, that that's always an exciting time on stage when somebody blanks or. <laughs> yeah, but th I mean, there is a there's definitely a big rush of energy because you have a live audience that is that is in real time giving you reactions to your lines. So I've done, you know, many theater and stage productions that have made me just extremely excited. And you play off of that energy that the audience gives you. It's right. a lot less when you're doing film and take, but you have different opportunities to try different things within a scene when you're doing it on film. Yeah, yeah, you can go back and try a little, again, subtle changes. You can do it a little bit different, and you have yeah. more opportunity that yeah. way. With, but the uh, the energy exchange, that's the thing I, I always miss about live performances, is that energy exchange between the audience and the and the cast that I always yeah. think is so much fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. And every show is different. If you, you, know, if you do multiple nights or if you do a run, two, three, four week run of your production or however long it goes, every night poses different challenges. Every night is a new adventure, which can be exciting. You know, it can be scary, but it can also be exciting. I mean, you know, heck, one night you're going to do a show and, and, and it'll go a certain way. And then the next month, the next night, maybe a prop is missing that you would normally use. Or maybe, you know, maybe somebody delivers their line differently and you react differently. And it's just every show is different. Yeah. And the audience can also drive a play. They can also yeah. drive a performance. I mean, if if you've got an audience there that's that's not into the kind of drama or humor or they're not connected to the to the to the lines that are being delivered on stage, you know, it can be a letdown. That is true. Yeah. I, I, do, do you play uh, 
do you pl- enjoy playing a, a protagonist or antagonist better? Is there is there a <laughs> preference to you? <laughs> I you know I play. First of all, the, the right answer would be I play any role that is offered to me. Correct. And and that uh, you know as to what I've what I've enjoyed more. Uh, I, I've I enjoy comedy. I love comedy. It fuels me. I enjoy being sort of I don't like being the, the the star in any kind of a show. I like being the guy. So I guess you could call me the I don't know, maybe the antagonist or if you want to call it that. I I like being the guy that that sort of complements the star, that sort of gives that star right. you know, an a, a bigger identity. I, I like those kinds of roles where I can jump in and have a really great impact and then jump out, you know, cause then the audience is talking about you, you know, they're talking about you more or just as much because you have a little more mystery or a little more intrigue maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it takes some of the pressure off cause the whole play, the whole show doesn't ride on you. <laughs> yeah. Well, pretty much. I mean, I did a short film uh, recently that, that actually I was the star in the show and it's 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 a lot of work to carry a, a carry a film, and it, you know you have to always be on top of your game. And I, that, I, I could say that with any character, you always want to be, you know, one hundred and ten percent involved with your character wherever it might be. But yeah, it's it's harder when you're when you're driving a, a film or you're driving a production. Uh, it is it's it's a lot more on your plate. Yeah, I, I kind of like to be a, a secondary character a lot more as well. And either that or an antagonist. I like being a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't really been, been able. I mean, I've been an antagonist in a comedy, you know, comedy sensicles. But as far as being a bad guy, I really, really, really am starting to explore that new genre, especially in the last couple of years, because I started to change my identity, my look. I've grown this tremendous beard and mustache. And my wife says, boy, you'd really be a great bad guy. <laughs> and I said, I said, uh, I said, well, that's, that's what I'd like to try now. Um, you know, I did a pilot for NBC uh, a few years back called Awake. And I played an episode in the uh, pilot episode. I actually played a... Uh, a bad guy. He was a he was a school teacher slash pedophile slash crazy person. So it was very 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 far removed from the normal characters that I play, and it kind of was it kind of was really cool to do that. You know, to 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 go outside of that boundary where I normally uh, am comfortable in. Yeah, I, I I play a lot of I played a lot of comedies back when I was doing theater regularly, and and uh, that was. I, I went, I, I did complete works of Shakespeare, which is just utter silliness. Yep. <laughs> uh, then I hopped over shortly after that and I did the foreigner and I got to play Owen Musser. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. If you're familiar I, uh, with that, Owen Musser is just a yep. terrible human being. Yep. I, <laughs> I actually, I, in college, I actually was involved with, uh, with that, that production, but I was more, when you're in, when you start out in college in the theater department, you're usually relegated to um, sound designing, lighting design. You're you're working behind the 
you know, and all of the master's degree students, all the postgraduate students, they all get the really great juicy roles. And you hope that by your sophomore year, you've uh, accomplished enough to be able to get bigger roles on stage. But I, I remember that production very well. Um, and uh, it, it, it is, that is a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty intense role. Yeah, I, I had so much fun with that. I mean, in a uh, as far as being able to portray that guy, because it's like I said, it's very far removed from who I am. Sure. And, uh, I got to uh, one of my favorite moments on stage ever. Uh, it's a scene where everybody's making fun of Owen and, and laughing at him, and he's the butt of everybody's jokes, and then he explodes. Yep. And that crowd goes from just giggling and laughing to all of a sudden when I'm walking off stage, they are dead quiet. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that, yeah. that was a moment in theater when I realized the power we actually had on stage. <laughs> if you have the attention of the audience, you can command them like uh, Poseidon commands the waves in the ocean. Yeah. You know, it's, it is, you have that, it is, it's, and it's a rush, it's a yes. high, it's a, it's this intoxicating uh, feeling that comes over your body. It really is. Right. And that fuels you and that drives you to want to do more, to want to be more from, from a standpoint of an actor. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, that's why I'd, I haven't been on stage uh, other than stand up comedy. I haven't been on stage doing theater in probably close to 10 years now. And I, I miss <laughs> I actually, I, uh, beginning of last year, I decided I was going to take a break from stand up and I was going to get back to doing some theater. And about as soon as I made that decision, uh, COVID hit and we were all locked down and none of the theaters are open. So, <laughs> so it's probably is, my fault. <laughs> that, but that is so funny that you mentioned that because my wife has been pushing me to get into stand up. Really? Because <laughs> oh, I sit here and I say stuff. I talk to the TV a lot. That's, that's, that's my, that's my, my, I don't know what do you want to call it. My weakness, my whatever it is. I'll sit here and I'll, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mystery Science Theater 3000. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> the I literally. Or the, or the reboot. No, the originals. Okay, because the the no. reboot surprisingly not bad. I, I thought I was going to be very disappointed in the reboot, but it was a, it was actually pretty good. Yeah, no, the originals. The guy was brilliant. But yeah. I'll sit here and I'll watch a movie, and uh, we were watching. Oh God, what were we watching last night? I, I think we were watching part of Return of the Jedi, and I'm sitting there, and I, I'm going, "Okay, come on, Luke. You know what the you're." No, we were watching Empire Strikes Back. That's right. And, and, and when Luke kissed Laura, I mean, Luke, Luke, Luke kissed um, uh, uh, Leia. Yeah. And Han Solo was all getting jealous and everything. And, and I just started, I broke out into this whole comment about, oh, dude, you just, you know, you just French kissed your sister, man. That's just the grossest thing I've ever seen. And, you know, you, you sit there and then all throughout the rest of the movie, you're sitting there going, relax, Han, relax, Han. She's Luke's sister. You don't have to worry about being jealous. And, and I just went on this whole long conversation and my wife was just laughing over on the side. She's like, I can't watch the movie anymore because you're sitting here doing your own presentation of the film. And because I've watched it so many times, you know, she goes, man, you need to, you really should get into stand up. I swear to God, you really should get into stand up. 
I said, you don't understand. I said, it takes a lot of work to get into standup. You have to have a long script and it's a, it's a big giant monologue and you got to rehearse it. I says, now I've done one man shows before. I said, but I don't know, maybe. And then I was, I was thinking about it, you know, and then but, like but you stand said, up, it, it'll be, it'll be a long, long time before you need a long script. When, when you're just starting out, you'll get, you'll get five to seven minutes if you're lucky. Just, yeah. just start out at yeah. open mics. So well, I definitely I mean, have five to seven minutes. That's for sure. If you, <laughs> enjoy, yeah, if you, which five to seven minutes, it sounds like it's not much, <laughs> but when you get up there, if you, uh, if your jokes don't hit, it's, that's, it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, it can feel that's, like when, a time, long that's time. when time stops. <laughs> that's when it stops. Yeah, but I would definitely, if you if you love a live performance, I would definitely recommend it because it's a different animal. It's an yeah. entirely different animal than live theater and acting. I mean, there's some of that in there because of the stage presence, and yeah. having that would be a boost. But it's definitely. I got a, I've got a cynical. I've got a cynical way of looking at things. I, I have kind of a George Carlin take on life and things, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not sure if the audiences today are in line with a lot of that because with social media and everything, the attention span of the 20 something year old person is just too short. I mean, you know, they're, they're just, everything is TikTok and, you know, one, two minute videos and, they lose interest and they, they click to the next one. So I think standup is going to get a lot harder it's for, 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 yeah, for the, the, I don't play well with 20 somethings when I'm doing standup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't play Somebody well with 20. Age, maybe a little bit younger that they usually get me, but you know, <laughs> I don't play well with 20 somethings in real life. <laughs> okay. That is true. That is true. I, I I, I do. I sit there and I go, what are these people thinking? What are these kids thinking? It's it, it, They've been living inside of a computer bubble for the last 15 years, and they don't know what's really happening. I've got a 24-year-old who's that way, you know? for I think for, gosh, a good two to three years of his late teenage life, he, he was referred to as dumpster fire. You know, oh, what's the dumpster fire doing today? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's just the way that these kids are, you know. But then you sit back and you think, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was like that when I was his age, too. Yeah. I just uh, I just did things differently, and there were no computers or cell phones. But, you know, I did stupid things, too. So. Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've always held the, thir the theory that anybody between the age of, of uh, 12 and 25 is mentally handicapped. Uh, Which, I, <laughs> some, I, some of us I, it. Yeah. <laughs> I my high school my high school theater teacher made this quote she told me and it, it stuck with me my whole life she says she says when a kid is born they should be put into a big giant wine barrel and fed through the hole until they're 18 and then the hole should be plugged up <laughs> I, I go wow and you're teaching us kids yeah, I, I I heard somebody say once before that once you turn into a teenager, you should just have to live in a cave at the edge of town. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Come out on your twenty seventh birthday, right. and we'll we'll have a uh, what do you call it? We'll have a coronation of of you into adulthood. Yeah, because yeah. We'll it's uh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, my, uh, my, my, my aunt used to say that. She said, she says, especially with guys, she says the light bulb just doesn't come on until they're about 26 or 27. And then the light bulb comes on and they look around like they just came out of the womb and, uh, and they go, Oh, so this is what the real world is all about. Okay. All right. I get it. Yeah. Then, then all of a sudden your dad wasn't all that stupid, was he? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. You see well, it from the new angle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My wife, my wife talks to my son most of the time. The only thing that I, I talk with my son that we, we can converse about is either uh, sports or, you know, one or two aspects of his life. He's a musician. And, and mm-hmm. so we can talk a lot about, cause I, I, I raised him on 1980s rock and roll and he, he carried a lot of that appreciation with him. And that basically was the foundation when he started getting more and more into music. So we can talk about that, but my wife handles all of his day-to-day issues. And I, I, I love her to death for it. And she, she deserves like sainthood when she dies because, you know, some of the ways that she talks him down from his, you know, hysteria or anger or whatever is just, it amazes me. Yeah. Yeah. I never had kids. So I I don't, I don't have that. uh, I don't have that teenager that's going to hate me when he gets, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) well, he, Here's the difference. I've 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 never not had kids, so uh, that 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 <laughs> we can each talk from the other side of the fence about it. And the grass is always the grass is always some different shade of green on the other side. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I, I I'm happy with my choices. <laughs> no regrets, you know. You know, I, I, I will say I will say though that that being an actor and having a family. It, it's it's really really difficult. It's it's such a hard thing to balance, and in a lot of ways, you know, I I do I I sit back and I think where my career would be, whether it would be further along or what, if I didn't have kids. Yeah. But you know, it's a conscious decision. My wife and I got married because we were ready to start a family, and you you sit there and go, okay, well, this is going to be. A very interesting uh, uh, balance, and I will say this: uh, there have been points in my career where I've had to make a conscious decision on what I need to prioritize at that moment in time. Yeah. And um, and there are times when I stepped away from acting to handle, you know, my family to take care of my family, and that that's a very tough decision for any actor to make. That is, and that is you know, also involved with uh, having a family. You can't, you can't, you can't focus yourself 100% on, on one or the other and not have the other suffer. Right. If that makes any sense. Oh, so, yeah. So it's, it is. And then that's why I'm starting to, I was until this pandemic hit starting to gain steam further along in my career because both of my kids were, they were out of the house. They were grown up. It yeah. was like not having kids anymore. But yeah, there you go. But then, but then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah. That's uh, <sighs> what, what's the level of shutdown like where you are just out of curiosity. Um, 
not that much to tell you the truth. We're in, I mean, Orange County is different than LA County. The state is going to be the state, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Gavin Newsom. And I say that with (laughs) a lot of animosity, (laughs) Uh, Gavin Newsom has, has put such a a clamp down on the state Uh and, there are certain counties and certain cities that have basically given him the middle finger and said, you know what? I don't give a crap what you say. I don't give a crap what your little rules are. You know, if you can sit there and go dine at uh, the French laundry or you can go get your hair cut, Nancy Pelosi, then I'm going to do it. And I'm going to be able to, and these are the, these are the business owners that live down here. And while we all are still wearing masks and they, I call it down here where we're at, I call it the common sense approach. Right. People are well aware that the virus is very contagious. People are also very well aware that if you're a healthy person, you've got a 99% chance of, you know, plowing through it and coming out okay on the other end. And people are very, very conscientious about the elderly or sick people. And and the, the fact remains is those people stay home. They don't go out, you know? And so, like I said, the harbor down here in Dana Point, there's, there's outdoor dining has never stopped, never stopped. Um, People come down, come out and a lot of people don't wear their masks and that's their choice. And I respect their freedom to do it. And if, you know, if I want to wear a mask, I'm going to wear a mask. If I don't, then, you know, I check around, I go, Hey, you guys. Okay, good. All right. We're all good. Yeah, I, I think that's that's what we're missing uh, nationwide is the common sense approach. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I I do believe that I do believe that, and it's my personal opinion. I do believe for political reasons that there was a lot of fear that was oh, put yeah. into this virus instead of saying, okay, you know what? We know it's we know it's a really crazy virus. Okay, we know this is what we're going to need to do, and we also know that if you use your head. That you're gonna you're gonna be okay. I mean, God, like three years ago, Don, I had what I thought could have been this exact COVID flu. It was like three years ago. Right. I was in bed for five days. I had a fever like 102, 103, and I was hacking up a lung every day. And then after I got through it, I had a cough that lasted two months. Right. I mean, I couldn't get rid of this cough. It was just a perpetual cough for like two months. So it, it did, it kicked me in the ass. And, uh, you know, I, I said to my wife, I says, boy, if, if, if COVID is what they're saying, I've already had something similar to it a couple of years ago. I can, I can muscle through it again. Um, but I think a lot of fear was put out there. A lot of fear. Oh yeah. And, F- fear is a huge political tool. Yeah. Unfortunately, but hey, we'll talk about a couple of your movies. I know you have some. <laughs> oh yeah, we, oh, we've, yeah, yeah. we've missed a lot of that. Just another conversation, which is <laughs> which is good. Which is good. That's what I like. But uh, yeah, we can certainly talk about a couple of your movies if you have some that are uh, that are at the point where you want to promote them and get them out there more. Well, we uh, I did a project last year uh, that's in post production right now. It's called Fleeced, and it's a really nice little comedy short that fingers crossed is going to just absolutely overtake the festivals this year. Uh, it's, it's a comedy and I play a character much kind of like if you, if you're all familiar, if your audience is familiar with 
the Mr. Bean character oh, of yeah. the 90s, uh, Rowan Atkinson. And my character has very little to say in this movie, but it's all physical comedy. And uh, I play a farmer from Idaho who wins the lottery and all kinds of crazy things ensue. So I'll just leave it at that. And it's a really, really fun little piece. And that's 99% finished through post-production. So we're hoping it's going to make it to the festivals this year. And I'm, I was, I was signed on or I was, I was tagged to play a role in a movie called warrior of eight flags. That was over the summer production had shut down. Uh, I think the film went into rewrite uh, the script went into rewrite and I think it's going to be making its move sometime late spring. So I'm hoping that there's going to be production for that in the summer, early summer, but we'll have to wait and see on that. And um, another project that I had, which was in post-production may not end up seeing the screen. Uh, there's, there's legal issues with it that oh. the backstory, the backstory on that in and of itself is worthy of a script. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. But, yeah. But would it be a comedy or a tragedy script? <laughs> it, it would be, it would be a tragedy slash murder. Mystery. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> and when I say murder mystery, I say that with all the truth. So <laughs> there is a, it, it, it actually made a lot of, the person involved actually made a lot of, a lot of news headlines around this time last year when it all happened. But we were in the middle of post-production for this film called King of Wishful Thinking, which, which is, was going to be a really great film. And it still could be. Uh, it starred myself and Emmy award-winning actor, Kim Estes. And uh, it got stuck in post-production. And then a lot of crazy things happened with the director. So the film right now is sitting in limbo. And I think a couple of legal issues have to be resolved before we can move any further forward through the production process. Well, hopefully that speeds along and that gets out there because there's a, yeah, having a project that never sees the light of day is a, uh, it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Especially since I actually have all of the raw footage of the film. I, I managed to wrangle it away from, uh, the post-production people mm. and I actually have the, so who knows? You may see, uh, you may see my footage up on eBay or something. I don't know. Yeah, I they guess. have the just, just do anything. the release. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Any, yeah, anything. Uh, you know, we're we're looking for anybody to 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 finish putting the pieces back together on it. And once it does, I think it'll be a really cool cool film. It's it's about a forty five minute movie. It's not a full length feature, and it's not really a short film. But it that is a really great suspense thriller film that I made, and that was was the probably one of the first times I got to star as a. A, a character who actually loses it. He goes insane. And oh, that, that would be fun. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun to make. So I'm really, yeah, I'm really, unfortunately, it's out of my hands from a legal standpoint. Right. But hopefully we can, hopefully we can get it back on track. So. Yeah, there, there was one that I was involved in probably about 11 or 12 years ago that it was a full feature length movie. Everything was shot. Uh, 
the guy did not have a backup. His computer crashed and he lost everything. Wow. In post-production. And it was, <laughs> I was, I was a lead in it and it was a really fun story about, uh, basically superheroes that only had their superpowers when they were, uh, really drunk. And, uh, I, I was the leader of the drunken superhero group and, uh, yeah, we filmed that in a bar, and uh, after it closed, so we've had we had nights where we'd go in to film, and we'd have to pack it up because one of our actors showed up early, got drunk, and got in a bar fight. All kinds. Of <laughs> Try, tried to use those imaginary superpowers. I would imagine. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he was getting that, a head start. That, that there is what you call a method actor. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that those is. Those are actors that, was, that can't. They can't. They can't uh, separate the line of reality from the line of non-reality. Yes, he was very dedicated, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, well, that was supposed to film over like four or five weeks, and we ended up, we started like beginning of July, and I don't think we stopped. My, my costume for this was a loincloth and a vest, and that's it. And we're, okay. we're filming uh, into November in Ohio, you know, snow on the ground, and we're trying to wrap this thing up, and I'm running around in a loincloth and a vest. It was... <laughs> well, for all intents and purposes, you should have been drunk. Yes. <laughs> that's probably what would have kept you warm. Yeah, it was It was an interesting, interesting shoot, and then uh, I never, never saw the light of day. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's tough. It yeah. is. It's tough. I, I as an actor, it's it's really difficult when you put so much work into a into a character into a production, and then you have bad things happen that are out of your control that end up uh, that end up submarining the whole film. And uh, for some people, it's I mean, it's not about the money. It's about the work. And first of all, <clears throat> excuse me. First of all, when you're you're doing projects that are B movies or, you know, or even just these rogue yeah. four week gorilla shoots, you know, you're not making money. You're not getting paid. Or if you are getting paid, it's, it's very, very nominal. It's all under the table. It's all rogue, but you still have that same kind of passion about getting that film completed and the, yeah. the sense of accomplishment from your performance. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we will hit some uh, fantastic news stories. Uh, they're not they're not fantastic. They're real. There's no fantasy involved in them. They are all as good <laughs> as they can be. They are all real. Uh, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Life Radio Show. We will be right back with Tim McLaughlin again. Sorry. I, I know I, I know I got a perfect one in here for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one more time. When I was five, they gave me a bamboo. Heart. When I was 23, you tore it apart It didn't hurt me, it didn't mean a thing But somewhere there's a baboon And he's crying, he's crying How's that make you feel? 
Well, you can tell me I'm fat, I'm dumb, I'm bad and bare But it won't hurt me, it'll hurt the baboon instead And don't come crying to me when Peter knocks on your door You deserve what you get, you primate hating whore You're a whore And those tears that are falling down my face They're for the baboon What's up, guys? It's Chris Fristalia breaking the fourth wall. If you enjoy our show, you can find it on YouTube. Just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment or just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And also, you can find us on all the social medias. Just look for Realm of the Mist Entertainment. And I will catch you on the other side. Hey, this is Don Smith. I want to take a minute to tell you about The Devil's Apple, a new book by my friend William Morris. It's the true and brutally honest story about Bill's own battle with addiction. It was written for those struggling to overcome addiction as well as those watching a loved one struggle. In Bill's own words, you work just as hard to be an addict as you do to be clean and sober. You can find The Devil's Apple on Amazon.com and for a limited time you can get it for free on the Kindle app. Lesbian Nazi hookers abducted by UFOs and forced into weight loss programs. All this week. All right. Hey, welcome back to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host, Don Smith. We're still Zooming along with Tim McLaughlin. It is time to cover some some of the most important news that you will hear today. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> I don't know what half of it is. Uh, in honor of Burns Night, a packet of haggis has been launched to the edge of space for the first time. <laughs> a packet <laughs> of haggis. Uh, Scottish Booker, Butcher, so, Scottish Butcher, uh, Simon Howie, uh, <laughs> worked at the space, worked with space education and research firm Stratonauts to launch a 454 gram haggis in Perth and Kenross this month. The haggis was attached to a weather balloon and soared more than 20 miles above the Earth, equivalent to nearly uh, four times the height of Everest. After taking off from uh, Simon Howie headquarters in Dunning, it traveled over Sterling, Falkirk, Edinburgh, and uh, Pentland Hills before landing safely in uh, Louder and the borders. 
no idea where half of those places are. They're all in Scotland, and they uh, launched had their haggis by they deliver their haggis by weather balloon. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to know from what Scot Scottish distillery they were launching it from because they were obviously <laughs> totally rip roaring drunk, and yeah, they did yeah. that. And uh, I could only imagine. I can only imagine a bunch of them, and I can only imagine the scene of 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 the launching. You've got you've got a couple of bagpipers. Oh yeah, all playing, you have to have they're them. all playing. Yeah, they're all playing something uh, a Scottish tune, and yeah. and uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, hey, where do you where do you where do you even go with that? Yeah, uh, well, it was Burns Night. I'm not sure what Burns Burns Night is one of the most important dates on the food calendar for us. This is a, a quote yep. from, uh, from Mr. Howie. Uh, it's one of the most important dates on the calendar for us, and we wanted to mark the occasion by sending the UK's best-selling haggis, the original 454 gram, uh, to the edge of space. He said, uh, "Okay, okay, the." the <laughs> Uh, Burns Night, uh, which Scots celebrate on January 25th to mark the life yep. and works of poet Robert Burns. That's yeah. what I thought. Wanted to make sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Robert Burns. There's a, I actually follow um, on Instagram. I follow uh, uh, Graham McTavish and and Sam Hugan, of course, the Outlander guys. They've got this great uh, uh, show that they're doing called uh, God. What is it called? Oh, now I'm now I'm totally. Uh, they literally go across Scot Scotland, exposing all of their followers to the the basically the Scottish heritage, whiskey drinking, uh, dancing, uh, all kinds of the the, the hmm. traditions of Scotland. And that would, that would uh, be an interesting show. Oh, oh, absolutely! It's a fantastic show, and he uh, clans. That's what it is. Clans, clansmen. Something Klansman is his is his show that he and Sam Hugan do, and uh, uh, they also do a show called Men in Kilts. That's what it. And they travel across the two of them. They travel across all of Scotland, and it's kind of like uh, if I could compare it to the United States, it's almost like not the Antique Roadshow. It's not the it's. Not and like American pickers or something, because they're not necessarily going and looking for antiques and anything, but they're 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 basically hunting for all of these out of the way places that you don't normally see on the map, and they they introduce their followers and the public to small little bits of Scottish heritage and Scottish tradition. It's a really neat show. Yeah, that would be fun. I'll, I'll have to check yeah. that out. Yeah. That's Scotland's been very popular, by the way, recently, especially you know in light of the Outlander series. I have not watched that one either. I have to check that one out. It's it's a pretty good show. My wife and I saw the first couple of seasons, and we actually had a trip planned for our 25th anniversary last May to go to Scotland. We were going to go for 10 days, and we were going to tour all the Outlander castles. We were going to we literally had a group of guys out there that were going to dress us up in 18th century Scottish tradition garb. And we were going to go bouncing from one castle to the other. We were going to go to Culloden. We were going to go all over uh, to these really cool places. And then of course, everything got completely right. snuffed, snuffed out with 
with COVID. So. Right, right. Which is which is a bummer for all things. A uh, 54 year old man has been taken to hospital after being bitten in the face by a camel. Uh, the employee of Pearlberg Zoo in northern Germany between Berlin and Hamburg uh, was cleaning the camel enclosure and feeding the animals when one suddenly turned and bit him, police said. They described his injuries as serious and the, said the man, whose name was not released, was being treated in a local hospital. The zoo is closed at the moment under German uh, cor- coronavirus lockdown restrictions. which so they, they have German coronavirus lockdown restrictions, which seem... Just, just history should tell you they're a little more strict, I guess. Uh, yeah, and hey, you know, I hate to say it, but quarantine even affects the animals. They get a little oh, yeah. stir crazy. Normally, the camels will just spit at you, but now they're biting you. So that yeah. tells you where their frame of mind is during the pandemic. Oh yeah, that's that's what's happening. That the, even the even the cam- when even the camels uh, start fighting back. I'm I'm writing even the camels on here because we'll we'll see if we can come up with an episode title because that's that's something we haven't done yet we haven't come up with an episode title for the show which is half of what my show is is just episode titles and band names there you go. <laughs> usually a lot of my news stories seem to have something uh that revolves around animals but i don't have a lot of them on here this time other than getting now, a camel. Now, wait a minute now don was was did the camel bite the guy on hump day because that would have really been an intriguing that, story. Yeah, that could have been. Because then I believe I believe every camel gets one free face bite on hunt day anyway. So they couldn't. Why not? Yeah, couldn't even be angry about that. I I, I would give that a pass. Uh, Bruce Willis has apologized for an error in judgment after refusing to wear a mask in public, according to reports. It was an error in judgment, the actor told People uh, magazine in an exclusive statement. Uh, Be safe out there and let's continue to mask up, he said. His statement was released Tuesday, two days after Willis was photographed, leaving a Los Angeles pharmacy wearing a scarf around his neck. Willis reportedly refused to leave the store after being asked to by an employee. <laughs> hey, come to the Rite Bruce, Aid. Go and pick <laughs> Bruce Willis out of your pharmacy. <laughs> come to the Rite Aid. We'll have a good time. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's... I played, I played, uh, I played a, a Bruce Willis character in a music video. I actually played... Um, his uh, uh, his character from Die Hard. Oh, I guess, I guess the, it was cool. The, the music video actually was burning burning down the, the, this office building, and it looked like something out of Die Hard. And so they wanted a Bruce Willis lookalike to come running across the screen through the flames during their song. They thought it would be cool. Oh, yeah, Bruce Willis from Die Hard runs across in the music video. <laughs> but uh, yeah, why not? That was fun. That was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> let's let's see what else we have here. It's it's not a, it's not a great news day for weird news today. I don't know what's happening, but here we'll. Uh, this might be dumb. <laughs> 
uh, as soon as a story pops up, we'll, we'll go over it. Have you ever ordered a milkshake from McDonald's, taken a sip, and thought it tasted like a completely different flavor? Uh, this, uh, this I found has been the case, has often been the case whenever I've gotten a vanilla milkshake, as it often tastes like banana instead. I never really knew why until now. A TikTok user named Desi Joseph uh, from the U.S. has gone viral on social media platform after sharing a number of McDonald's secrets she learned while working there. One of those secrets is all about the uh, milkshakes and why they sometimes taste the wrong flavor. She revealed uh, all after a she revealed all after a follower messaged her to ask why there was red stuff at the bottom of their ban- vanilla milk. <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe that's because the finger didn't get ground up properly. So don't eat the wing. Uh, <laughs> all right, I hear that. Yeah, yeah. Little, little, Jim, little Timmy Hoffa mystery there for you. I saw an episode of South Park where they did that. Uh, anyway, in the clip, she explains why sometimes this happens because the shake ma- shake machine will pour out a little bit of the previous flavor before it pours the new flavor. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So sometimes you order a vanilla shake and see the bottom is a little green because it's shamrock yeah. shake or chocolate. You know, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's not that's not a big revelation. Except for the, except for the fact that uh, we, McDonald's doesn't have banana shakes. <laughs> Just, right. <laughs> Right. So what exactly was I drinking? <laughs> yeah. All I know is that uh, one of the one of the workers back there dropped the ball on the clean the milkshake machine before you add the next flavor in. Yeah, so, that's uh, usually that, that's that a good thing. To do. I, I imagine I, I can only imagine what else they do not clean before cooking something else or replacing something else. Right. So, probably mostly washing their hands is what they probably do. why I haven't been to McDonald's <laughs> since I was like 20 yeah. <laughs> until the, until the light bulb came on when I was 27. Then I stopped going to McDonald's. There you go. Well, yeah, that that's, that's what the light bulb will do. <laughs> I always thought eating pizza every night was okay. It's, it's not. No, it's not. Oh. <laughs> that explain, that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's 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 not. There's 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 issues that can rise you know, another another more adult oriented show. <laughs> a volunteer assisting with an underwater cleanup operation in Hawaii discovered a GoPro camera with a memory card that still worked after six years at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, Rose Zhang, uh, which is their name, Rose Zhang, a volunteer with nonprofit Ocean Defenders Alliance, said she was participating in a cleanup operation near the Spitting Caves. <laughs> Didn't know there was such a place. The Spitting Caves on the south side of Oahu when she came across the GoPro camera that was still sealed in its waterproof case. Uh, Zhang discovered the files on the memory card still worked, and she posted the last video from the camera to Facebook in hopes of finding its owner. The video took the camera's owner, uh, Nainoa Kamai, and some friends jumping into the water from the Spitting Caves rocks in 2014 when she was 18 years old. Wow. The owner. Well, that's nice. Well, maybe that was the last thing the owner shot before the shark ate it. Right. (laughs) Might be hard to find the owner if it's in the belly of a shark, right? That is true. That is true. Same, Same story with the fingernail and the chili. Yes. (laughs) 
Sometimes you don't want to look at a camera that spent six years on the yeah. bottom of the ocean because I can only imagine. You can only imagine what the last video was on it. Yeah. <laughs> Honey, you were supposed to delete that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm. She said she she posted the last video, but you know she watched every single one of them. Oh hell yeah! Absolutely. Yeah. Before she, before she said, I'm gonna find out who this belongs to and get the hell rid of it. <laughs> she's, no, I tell you, she's holding back the other ones because that's blackmail. That, She's going to say, okay, once she gets that owner to come forward, it's going to cost you 10 grand to get all those other dirty videos back. That that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. She, she, makes just, she hit a gold mine cleaning up the ocean right there. That's that's brilliant. <laughs> I can only imagine how many cameras are at the bottom of the ocean. Can you imagine? I, I, Think about how many, how many, how many cameras, how many phones are at the bottom of the ocean because some idiot decided to lean off the side of their cruise ship and take a selfie and the phone went overboard. And I can only imagine how many phones and, and stuff is down there. You know, there, we might have the, uh, you know, you might have a lot of mysteries solved if you retreat some of those things. The Zapruder film, you know, there may be another one down there somewhere. I, I never, I never really thought about that. That's is, is that the, the new uh, treasure hunt? Just like, <laughs> You know, sooner or later, we're going to run out of lithium. And then sooner or later, they're going to just start going down and retrieving all the phones that are at the bottom of the ocean and all the other, all the other lithium battery uh, uh, things yeah. that they that have fallen overboard. It's going to – who knows? Who knows? Yeah. When, they, when they remake Waterworld, they're going to have to point that out specifically when Kevin Costner dives down. He's going to be. I don't know. He's going to be. According, according to according to AOC and Greta Thornburg, uh, we're going to be in Waterworld in thirteen years. So, oh, uh, thirteen years. That's all it's going to well, take. Hey, you know, that's what. That's how long it's going to take. Well, I better grow so, out. My, I better grow out my gills again. Uh, I told my wife. I said we're moving. We're going to move as close as we can to Yosemite National Forest. So when that super volcano goes, we won't feel a thing. Yeah, you'd be the first one. Won't even know it. You'll just vanish. You will just, just like be right there. It's just like what's his name from 2012? Oh, oh God. Yeah. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Maybe, maybe Woody Harrelson up at the top of the mountain. It's beautiful. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, that's that's a great thing. It'd be the last thing you see would be all that beauty. Rushing be bright light. flames. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll we'll do one more story because this is an important one. Uh, it's not. A pair of Idaho men broke a Guinness World Record when one used both hands to throw popcorn that the other caught in his mouth. David Rush, who has broken more than 150 Guinness records to promote STEM education, teamed up with his neighbor, Jonathan Hannon, to break the record for most popcorn thrown and then caught in the mouth in one minute, team of two. Uh, Hannah, wow. ambidextrous, threw popcorn with both hands and Rush caught the flying snacks in his mouth. The men managed 45 catches in one minute, beating the previous record of 37, which was set in 2016 by Ashrita Furman and Bippin Larkin. Oh, hell, I broke that record when I was seven. <laughs> my brother, my brother, I don't know if you, they don't make them anymore, but when I was a kid, Popcorn balls were the big oh, yeah. rage oh, yeah. around Christmas time. And my brother and I would toss popcorn balls 
and which were the size of like baseballs. Yeah, I was going to say, and, that's a good way to lose a tooth trying to catch it, them. Well, we, we'd lob them at each other and we'd try to bite them in midair. And I, I, I bit my fair share of them. So I got, I've got his record beat by a long yeah. shot. Well, yeah, so, because you're catching a whole ball of popcorn kernels. That's right. And there's probably at least five or 600 kernels in there. So, oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I smoked him in that company. Yeah, he's got nothing. But you, you just needed you needed video of that so you could have had the record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too bad social media wasn't invented. Yeah, that, that way Ashrita and Bippin would have never got their 37 record in 2016. So, Wow. Ashrita so and, to- and Bippin. This was all done to benefit STEM research. Is that what it was? I, uh, yeah, I guess that's what it is. He's trying. He's promoting STEM education, so not STEM, STEM, not STEM, not STEM research, research, but STEM education. STEM education, science, okay. science technology, math. Right. Yeah. There's our ta- there's our tax dollars at work for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's uh, he's. I don't know how that. I don't know how catching popcorn in your mouth is promoting STEM education, but. Uh, I, you know, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to do the same thing. How many cashews have been caught? Maybe I'll try that. Oh, yeah, I, I'm sure it exists. And if it yeah. doesn't, whatever yeah. number you do is going to be the record. Yeah, you know, when the floodgates of stupidity open up, all <laughs> kinds of crazy things just come out and end up on social media. And, yeah. I mean, you know, Jack, the, the, that, that movie in the TV series Jackass has spawned an entire population of jackasses. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is the news. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple minutes right now. If you have any social media, any websites, anything else you want to throw out and promote, uh, take it away. It is all yours. Yeah. Thanks, Don. First off, you can you can find me on IMDb, which is the Internet Movie Database, and that can be that can be located by typing in imdb.me backslash Timothy McLaughlin. And that'll take you to my site. You can see what projects that I'm in post-production or pre-production or the stuff that I've done. And uh, also, you can find me on Instagram. That's really the place where I like to I like to take pictures and send out little pictures of my professional and personal life that you can follow me on Instagram. And that would be the Timothy Mac. So at the Timothy Mac, and that's where you can find me on Instagram. Those are the two social media platforms that I, I I spend my most time on. I'm on Facebook, you know, Timothy McLaughlin, but you know, I, I go on there maybe once a day just to see who's messaging me or whatever. But Instagram is where you can follow me and, and IMDB. So uh, there you go. Thanks, Don. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. It was great talking to you and getting to know you and, and learning about some of the, uh, some of the crazy news <laughs> and everything. Else. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's, all, it's, it's always great getting to talk theater with folks too. Absolutely, absolutely. It was a pleasure for uh, having me on, and thank you so much. Best of luck to uh, to you in the future, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll sit down and talk about some new stuff in the near future. That'd be great to do. Absolutely, absolutely. And thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show. Like I keep telling you guys, if you're going to keep listening to me, I'm just going to keep making these. All right. Have a great night.
Thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show podcast. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, if you want to listen live, we are on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM. You can also stream the show live at WWSU1069.org, and we go Facebook Live at the Life Radio Show's Facebook page. If you have suggestions or comments, feel free to email thelife1069 at gmail.com. Overwhelms me. The brutal presence. Overwhelms me. A packet of haggis has been launched.